Good morning. Good to see everybody today. I know we have some folks that are still getting their coffee and stuff, but uh, if we can find our seats, uh, we want to welcome you to First Baptist Godly, and thank you for coming. If you're watching online for the first time, we want to welcome you uh, from your home into our services and let you know that uh, we're so glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, what a privilege it is for you to give us of your time and to join us as we worship the Lord this morning. We'd like to have a word of prayer as we begin this morning and move forward. And then after that, the Moore family is going to come and they're going to do our Advent scripture reading for us this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the privilege of coming into your house to worship you. For Lord, you have said my house will be a house of prayer. And so Father, we come before you prayerfully today, humbling ourselves before you, lowering ourselves before you, and exalting your name, for you are above all things. And Father, in you, in the Lord Jesus, we, we move and have our being. And Lord, you're always aware of everything that's happening in our lives, and you care so deeply for us. And so, Lord, we're so thankful for that, that you, uh, that we are never far away from your thoughts. And, and many, many, many are your thoughts to us, and we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, also for your provision, for you provide for us in so many ways. And so, Father, uh, it is a blessing and a privilege to give back to you. Father, help us to always be ready to give, whether that be of our resources, whether that be of our time, or whether that be of using the gifts that you've given to us. Father, help us to serve you in this way. You are worthy of our service. You are worthy of our worship. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. rejoicing. Rejoicing is our response to the good news, joy that our Messiah has come. The light of the world sweeps away the darkness in our world and in our hearts. We seek him and in joy we find him. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this, these words. We thank you for this season and this family. In our precious holy name we pray. Amen. One of the most beautiful Christmas songs that's been written in the last 30 years is Mary, Did You Know? Well, there is a controversy about Mary, Did You Know? Because Mary did know. <laughs> They're like, why are you singing Mary, Did You Know? Well, it raises some wonderful questions about what would you do if you knew, I think. And it's beautiful and it makes us think. So stand up with us and let's sing.
12 people go. Merry Christmas, everybody. I beat your number now because I got everyone in the room. <laughs> so competitive. I got a loophole there. If y'all can go ahead and make your way back to your seats, please. I just have a couple of announcements this morning. First off, if I have not had the pleasure to meet you, my name is Tori Connell. I'm the student minister here at FBC Godly. I am very excited to see all of y'all here as we braved some actual December weather this morning. I did not know it was this cold when I woke up, so I was excited but also terrified at the same time because native Texan, it's fine. But uh, just a couple of announcements. Next week, please make sure to join us for service here at 1030. I promise you're going to get a very special treat as we have our Christmas cantata performed by our choir. They have worked really, really hard. I've been hearing a lot of beautiful sounds coming from the choir room whenever I finish with youth, so I'm very excited to see what they have prepared for us, so please make sure to come to that. Also, please remember that our Christmas Eve service on December 24th is going to start at 10 a.m. It will not be at 10.30, it will be at 10, so please come to that. Um, for any other announcements, please make sure to refer to your bulletin. Also, one last thing, uh, this week the watershed has been preparing tirelessly for their Christmas program. If you would love to come to that, we would want to encourage you to come this Thursday on December 14th. It begins at 6.30. Your bulletin says 7, it begins at 6.30. We are asking that y'all do come on the 14th as we have limited room. With that being said, please continue to join us in song as we worship God. Did you say Texas girl? It's cantata, not cantata. You buy canned totas down at the grocery store. She was thinking of the <laughs> she was thinking of the down at the church. <laughs> Stand with us and sing as we sing, Oh come on, you faithful.
Amen. All right, we got some children's church kids heading that way. Get you excited. It got somebody excited, didn't it? One of the little children was getting excited, and the parent said, He's excited. I said, Well, there's no better time to be excited than when it's Christmas time and you're in God's house and you're worshiping Him. Thank you, choir musicians that was awesome this past week we've been watching grandkids one of our daughters is dealing with a serious illness now there are a few things 
few things that reveal to us our human limitations like a serious health problem few things more humbling for in the crisis we are made aware once again how dependent we are upon our loving God who cares for us so much and thank you for your prayers uh, this week and I pray that you'll continue to pray uh, for Rachel special thanks to our Awana team that worked extra hard to fill in the gaps for me and Lisa this week at Awana all working together to do what God's called us to do nothing strips away the things in life that don't really matter like a real crisis but you know in truth there are a lot of things on people's minds during the holiday season Christmas season that they don't really matter a whole lot but the world especially advertisers seeking to make a buck will tell you just the opposite they'll tell you just how important all the knickknacks and paddywhacks of life are why you got to have just the tree this just the right tree you got to have the right lights on the tree uh, you got to have all the tinsel and the trimmings and you got to have just the right food for that christmas dinner too got to have it all got to have the last hot seller this season you know, not, not a lot has changed over time. Uh, uh, even back in the 1960s, the year, uh, the decade I was born, in those days, advertisers created television uh, Christmas specials that were on TV, and they've been on TV all these years or watched by people all over the planet. But they were primarily produced to sell products. That was the main reason they were put out. They would lock in a half-hour time slot during prime time to tell a tale that they could have commercials to sell their products. For example, they used a story about a melting snowman named Frosty to sell products. That's how they operated. It even came with a, a complete Burl Ives soundtrack, a voice so familiar, you know, that you'll never forget it. And don't forget that story about that misunderstood reindeer with a shiny bright nose who would be needed to, to help a frightened and worried Santa Claus who was worried he might not be able to deliver his toys in time for Christmas. Why, if those toys weren't delivered on time, Christmas would be lost. Christmas would be ruined. Actually, Rudolph was created by a man named Robert May who was an advertiser for Montgomery Ward Department Store. And in 1964, uh, he moved jobs over to General Electric, and they fired up that shiny red nose to sell General Electric products, everything from hair dryers to vacuum cleaners, washing machines. And in the commercial breaks, they sold their products, as that story was told. And in the process, many missed the real meaning of Christmas. It was obscured, covered over for many. And then in 1965, a comic strip writer named Charles Schultz was asked to take his comic strip Peanuts and create a Christmas special. And he came up with a story called A Charlie Brown Christmas. And it was funded, though it was funded by Coca-Cola, he used the opportunity to confront commercialism and to tell the true story, the real story of Christmas. 
Instead of being all jolly and happy at the beginning of the film, Charlie Brown, the main character of the story, is he's sort of depressed and sad. And he looks over at his friend Linus and he says, Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. He says, I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Schultz reminded us in those moments that for many people in the world, Christmas is a bittersweet time, especially for those who are older, those who are widowed, or maybe those that are in poor health or having financial difficulties. You see, those are the kind of things that Christmas trinkets can't fix. But when you begin to think about the real meaning of Christmas, when you begin to think about what God has done to save man from sin, and you begin to think about all of the many ways that God provides you on a daily basis, that Christmas story still warms your heart. It warms your heart like nothing else can. Well, if we look in that story, Charlie's disillusioned. He looks at all the commercial glitz around him and he's disillusioned. Because it's all being done for reasons he doesn't understand. Why he doesn't understand why his sister Sally is so engrossed in getting presents. But not just presents, she'd rather have money, tens and twenties, our best, she says. Her house, his own beagle, has a doghouse that's been uh, outfitted with the latest glitz and glamour, the best that money can buy as he lights up his doghouse all to win a Christmas show commercialism and we see it still today but Charlie won't play along he will not give in to that mindset and so when he goes down to the Christmas tree lot he refuses to buy a flashy fake tree instead he chooses the only live tree on the lot which is a scrawny little sapling barely big enough to hold one bulb and he brings it back to the school for the school play and when the kids take a look at that, they're in shock. They're like, why in the world did you drag that scrawny little thing in here? You're a blockhead, Charlie Brown. And they all walk away laughing at him. He looks over at his friend Linus, who's sucking his thumb with his blanket over his shoulder. He says, I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. And then he turns to the empty auditorium at the school and he says, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Without missing a beat, Linus calls for the lights to be lowered and the spotlight to come on. And he says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you exactly what Christmas is all about. And then he begins to quote from our text today in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. If you have your Bible, look there, Luke 2, verse 8. And he says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, 
praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. As we think deeply about the story that Luke is telling this morning, what are the important parts of the story? What parts really stand out to you? What do you hear uh, when you read it or you hear it? What does it mean to you? Well, the first thing that we see in the story is a proclamation. God has something to say. Did you know that God always has something to say most of the time? Now, sometimes he doesn't reveal it. Uh, There were 400 years of silence in between the Old and New Testament times. God didn't speak. It wasn't that people didn't want to hear from God. It's just that he withheld it. My friend, I want you to know God has something to say. And in this particular case, he sent an angel to say it. As this angel sent from God appeared to these insignificant shepherds as they watched their sheep by night. And it was the lowly sort of job. Dinner was not had in a comfy home. Uh, Dinner was not had at a local restaurant. And bed was normally a roll laid out under the stars. Or maybe on a cold night, it was a temporary shelter that was set up as they stood there and, and worked there to protect their sheep. But then suddenly, there's an angel on the scene as though he stepped out of the fabric of time and space It's as though he stepped out of nowhere and began to speak with them. And of course, he was surrounded by glorious light uh, supplied by God's glory. And he proclaims to them God's word, God's message of not only what was happening in Bethlehem nearby, but actually what it meant. What did the angel say that reveals the true meaning Well, the first thing that he says is, I have good news. I have good news that's going to bring great joy, uh, not just for people in Jerusalem, but for everyone, for all of mankind. And at the heart of his message, we find hope. Hope. What a hopeless world needs most is the promise of God that he's going to take care of them, that he is going to take care of their problems, their chief problem, Uh, not just temporarily, but forever, for all eternity. And the Bible is the written account, the written account of God's plan to save people from their sin and to give them the gift of eternal life with him forever. What greater joy can a person know in this life than to know that their sins are forgiven? To know that they've been washed away To know that God has forgotten those sins and completely forgiven them. And not only that, on top of that, he's given them a gift. A gift of real life and meaning and purpose that will not only last for this life, but for all eternity. My friend, that's hope. That is a a message of great joy that the world so desperately needs. Well, how would God do it? The angel continues. A Savior has been born in Bethlehem, and he is Christ the Lord. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan. The majority of the Bible lays out the plan in Jesus' fulfillment, for he was sent to the earth at the fullness of time. And he is the one who saves, and he is the one who will be found by all who seek him 
God gave these shepherds the place to look for him, and he has given us the same. So who is this child? Who is this one? Who is this Savior? Who is this one who is called Christ the Lord? Though Jesus is called many names in Scripture, and if we had time, we could just spend a long time talking about some of those names. Names like the Son of Man, names like Emmanuel, Redeemer, Lamb of God, Bread of Life, Alpha and Omega, and we could go on and on and on. Christ or Lord is used most often in the text of Scripture. So what does that mean? What does Christ the Lord mean? Well, the name Christ specifically means anointed one. Anointed one. In the Old Testament, when it came time for a priest to be anointed or a prophet uh, uh, to be called to speak for God or a king to reign on the throne, uh, they would be anointed. And what this anointing did is it showed that God's favor was on them. God had a purpose each time for them, or they were sent and called out for a purpose. And that anointing showed that God was with them. But in the case of Christ, we find someone uh, unlike all of those others, in that not only was he a priest, but he was also a prophet. And not only was he a priest and a prophet, but he also was a king. For in Christ Jesus came the one who is priest, prophet, and king. He is Christ. He is Christ, the anointed one. It's another way of saying Messiah. The Messiah has come. So what does the Lord mean in connection with the Christ? Well, Lord means ruler. It means master. It means someone with great authority over others. Uh, I guess in uh, plain and simple terms, it means boss. He's the boss. He's the one in control. That's Lord. That's Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, uh, you will be saved. Well, that's great news, preacher. You mean all I have to do is just say those words and believe that Jesus was resurrected and I'm good to go? Well, not exactly. It really has to do with what, what you mean when you confess that Jesus is Lord. What do those words mean? What do those words mean in your head? What do they mean in your heart? Uh, what do they mean in your life? Is there anything connected to it? Surely it's more than just saying some words. It depends on how you say it and what you mean. You see, to say that God and to others, uh, that Jesus is your master, he's your ruler, he's your boss, is to admit to God and to everyone around you that he rules over you. That you don't call the shots in your own life anymore. That when you tell someone you're going to pray about it and seek God's will, that's actually what you mean. It doesn't mean that you're just going to blow it off for a little while and then go do what you want to do. You see, those words, they have to mean something. They have to mean something. Now, if you actually don't surrender to his rule over you, then your confession, your words are meaningless. They don't mean anything. No matter how many times you say it. It's meaningless because nothing in your life has changed. It would be like a, a man bowing his love to one woman and then going out and having relationships with another woman. Or maybe many women. 
his, his confession, his vow of love to that one wouldn't mean much, would it? You could hear him speak the words, but it wouldn't really mean anything. That's a false confession of love. No follow-through. I wonder how many confessions of faith in Jesus have been made with just empty words. Well, you know, everybody else was going forward, so I went too. My friend went forward, so I went forward too. Not sure really why I went, but I did. My cousin filled out a little card down at the church, so I figured I'd fill one out too. Uh, my mom said it was really important for a person to be baptized, so I got baptized too. Sally, she goes to church every week, and she's my friend, and so I go too. But has there ever been a real confession of faith in Jesus Christ for salvation of sin? And has your life ever really changed? You see, there's a difference, isn't there, between what you say and what you mean, what you say and what you do. No change, no salvation, no surrender, no Savior. In fact, Jesus mentioned that in the New Testament. It's recorded for us. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Good question, isn't it? Jesus is like, why are you declaring a two-faced message? Why are you telling everybody around town that I'm your boss when you don't even do what I tell you to do? Stop saying it. You're not going to do it. Stop saying it. Friends, I truly believe God wants to bless you. He wants to bless us all in so many ways. But in order for that to happen, we have to submit to his lordship. They proclaimed a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. A third thing they did is they gave a sign. A sign is given to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, the first part of that wouldn't have been that, that surprising because that's normally what you'd find with a baby. They'd be wrapped in swaddling clothes. But they sure didn't expect to find a baby lying in a feed trough. Now, that was rather unusual. So I'm sure that piqued their interest. And when the angel spoke these words, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. We ought to think deeply about what they mean. You see, not only was Linus Fenn Pelt absolutely correct, but he was willing to do something that no one else was willing to do. He was willing to get up and give the message to a world that was pretty much uninterested. It was almost as though speaking to that empty auditorium signified that a lot of people were uninterested. They cared more about the other things. And never before has the world been in, in greater need of the good news of Jesus Christ than it is today. We are literally a world at war. Well, uh, we're not at war right here in America. No, but we're at war. There's a war going on, a spiritual war for the hearts of men. And every day there are victories being won, and every day there are victory, victories that have been snuffed out as people go into eternity without Jesus. A war is going on. In a world of depressing and sad news cycles, we have news that brings real joy. Not just people in Godly. Not just for people in Texas or the U.S., but for people everywhere. What is the good news? 
The good news is that Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago. He was born in Bethlehem, and his, his title is Christ the Lord. And what does it mean that Christ is born? It means he came to earth to live a perfect life and give that life on Calvary for the sins of the world. Because all people are sinners. All people are in need of a Savior. Well, what about the sign that God has given? The sign is a Savior born in a manger, a light walking in darkness, a Savior crucified on a cross and buried in a grave, a, a Savior buried in a grave, dead for three days and raised to life who walked out of that grave. Now, what greater sign could there be than that? Jesus came and he won the victory. So we see that proclamation of the message is important for the good news begins with God and it's a message of hope. Now what happens when someone hears the proclaimed message? Well, normally there's an investigation, isn't there? And that's exactly what we see in the text, verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from then into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go uh, uh, now even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, I've found over the years that when someone hears the good news for the first time, they have a lot of questions. And they will begin to ask the questions. And there's a reason why for that investigation and that curiosity. Because they want to know if this message that you're telling them that seems too good to be true to see if it really is true. And that's the reason why the shepherds went to confirm what they had heard. They wanted to see if these things were true. Christmas is a wonderful time to reach out to those who are searching for real meaning in life. For those who are searching to find Jesus let me ask you a question this morning. Are you prepared right now to share with someone who's searching? Are you able to tell your own salvation story succinctly? Could you tell them your testimony in a two-minute time span that glorifies Jesus and makes them want to find him? Have you memorized scriptures that are useful to you in sharing the good news about Jesus? And that's what it means to be prepared to share to be prepared to give an account of the hope that we have in him. You think about all the preparations that you're going to make in your family uh, to get ready for Christmas this year. You think about all the gifts, all the wrapping, and all the trimmings, and all this stuff that we prepare to do. But I can't think of any preparation that's more important than this one, helping people find Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, during this season, there are so many ready-made illustrations for you, even in all the decorations that you see. I mean, you could look at a star on top of a Christmas tree and begin to talk about that star that appeared. Or you could look at the shepherds on the nativity, all of the pieces, and you could tell the story so easily. We have a little nativity scene at our house. It's made out of plastic, and it has a little light that pops on on the top when you push the little red button. And I've loved that thing for years. My mother bought it and kept it at home. Then she bought me one. And it tells the Christmas story. When you push that button, 
Today in the city of David, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior's been born. Well, now our little grandkids run through the house holding it, listening to the story. They got that story going all the time. And, I'm, and after a while, I'm like, I love that story, but uh, can I watch the news? <laughs> but they love it too. So many ways to share and get the message out, which is what these, uh, these shepherds did. They got the message out. You see, there was God's proclamation through, through the angel, and then there was that investigation of the shepherds, and then what we find in the text is circulation of the message. Look at verse 17. And when they'd seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So let's back up for just a moment. Let's try to picture this event in our mind. These shepherds are out there. They're doing the same thing that they did all the time. Uh, nothing unusual to this point. They're just out there doing their job. It's a lowly job. And then all of a sudden, a supernatural being with brilliant light steps into their life and begins to declare a message. Okay? And then before long, there's going to be an entire army of angels filling up the sky with the glory of God, singing praises and glory to God. And this is different than like an IMAX uh, audiovisual experience, okay? I mean, this is something otherworldly that they're seeing. It's amazing. And as they take it all in, it gets their mouths to talking and their feet to walking. And before you know it, they're off to see what's going on. And when they arrive, they find the child, just as the angel said. And this good news traveled from their head to their heart. You see, something happened in that moment. Something happened when they encountered Jesus. You know, Jesus tends to do that to people when they really meet him. Something happens. Something happens in their life, and it moves it out of the head right into the heart. And then everything starts to change. It got them moving to go tell, which we sang about this morning. There's another popular Christmas show. Some of you guys have probably seen called How the, the Grinch Stole Christmas. You remember that one? And it's about this big, green, ugly beast that's a very sad and depressed sort of person. He, he's been treated badly as a child, and now he just tries to spread his misery everywhere he goes. And he can't hardly stand it that the Who's down in Whoville are, are so happy during the Christmas season. And so he decides that he's going to get rid of some of that happiness by stealing Christmas from them. You see, in his mind, the only thing really important to them about Christmas is all the stuff that they acquire and all the trimmings and, and trees and tinsels and all that stuff. So on Christmas Eve, he sneaks out of his little cave and he goes down into Whoville and he steals every little thing there is. Every tree, uh, every cup of milk, every little turkey leg he can find. He just strips that town bare. And he travels back up to his little cave and he's so pleased with himself. And he knows that there's going to be utter sadness and mayhem because he stole Christmas. But unfortunately, when he wakes up the next morning, he hears singing. Singing. And he looks down and he sees all those little who's in Whoville singing. And they're singing this Welcome Christmas, come this way. Welcome Christmas, come this way. And then the story 
begins to tell how his heart changed. Let's listen in. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through, and the Grinch found strength of ten Grinches plus two. And, of course, he used that strength to go and give back everything that he had stolen. Preacher, what does that have to do with Christmas? What does that have to do with the story? Well, here's what it has to do with. It's sort of like what happened to him was real repentance. What? What is that? Well, that's when you realize that you sinned against God, and then you turn away from it, and you do something about it. Or when you sin against another person, and you go and you apologize, and you turn away from that, and you don't do that anymore. That's real repentance. And I think that's kind of what it's talking about there when it talks about a heart change. That's what real confession is. That's what a real confession of faith in Jesus as Lord is. In other words, a Christian who acts like a Grinch makes no sense. A Christian who acts like a Grinch is a contradiction. In fact, a person who practices a mean and hateful spirit as they go from place to place and puts on a show acting like a Grinch has no real confession of faith at all. Matter of fact, they're most likely not even a Christian. No matter how many times they say, Lord, Lord. And that's part of the problem in the American church. Lost people claiming they're Christians and then running around acting like a Grinch. Where do you go to church? Well, I go down to Grinch Baptist. (laughs) Well, gee, could I come and go too? I don't want to be a part of Grinch Baptist because that's not what I've been called to. There was proclamation, investigation, circulation, and then we see in the text contemplation. Contemplation. Luke says of these people far and wide that heard the shepherd's story that they wondered. Another translation says they marveled at these things that they heard. And then even Mary kept or treasured these things in her heart. She pondered them. She contemplated what they meant. 18 says, And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, Mary is like all of us. And that though even we have the facts of the story and we think about it, we still don't really understand everything that there is to know about it. When an infinite God is the subject of your contemplation, you'll never fully understand it. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't invited us to do so. Or he invites us to feed on him. He invites us to delight ourselves in him. And friend, I can't think of anyone worthy, more worthy of my contemplation than Jesus who died on the cross for me. No one more worthy of my worship. He's worthy of your deepest thoughts. 
You could have every tree trimming associated with Christmas, but if you don't have Jesus, you miss the meaning. These angels proclaimed, a Savior is born. The shepherds investigated, and they found that it was true. So they circulated the message out far and wide so that all could contemplate along with them and Mary what it meant. And what was the final result? Well, there was a celebration. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen that was as told to them. In other words, they celebrated by glorifying God and praising him for everything that he had done and was going to do. Whether back at home, whether back on the job, or wherever they were, they were telling people about God and about what he had done. And it made a difference. In Christ, they found hope and real meaning. Well, do you remember Charlie Brown asking, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Well, if you've ever seen the show, you know that he takes that scrawny little tree and he goes back home with it. And when he gets back home, he tries a little experiment. He takes a little Christmas ball and he puts it on it and it falls right over. And he thinks he's killed it. And so he walks away from that tree all dejected and depressed. But those kids, maybe there was something in Linus' story from the real good news that had an effect on them. And they go over and they get all, that, all those decorations off Snoopy's house and they carry it over to that little tree and they give it a makeover. And then after a while, Charlie comes back and he sees it and he is amazed at the transformation. And then the snow begins to fall from the sky. And of course, there's always wonderment when that happens. And they begin to sing. And you know the words they sang. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. That's a message worth proclaiming. And when any person experiences that kind of transformation, it's a cause for celebration, an ongoing celebration. Wise men worship him. Humble people worship him. Father, I thank you for your word. It seems we think sometimes we've figured it out. But Lord, what a mistake. For you're still speaking, still revealing, still revealing the deepness of the truth that you've already said still revealing to each one of us what it means. So, Father, I pray, Lord, uh, that you will put in our hearts a sense of need, a sense of urgency, a sense of 
desperation that other people in our world that need you would hear it. And Lord, that you'd use us in the process so that they could hear it, be saved, and be changed. Lord, this is what we desire. As you call out to us in salvation, as you call out to us for surrender, as you call out to us to serve, what are you calling us to, Lord? To salvation, to surrender, to service. Help us search our own hearts, Lord, to, as we think about what these things mean and how we can be used to view this, this season as individuals and as a church body. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You stand to your feet for a time of invitation. Respond however he leads you today. good all the time and all the time god is good amen david will you lead us in our closing song joy to the world joy to the world the lord is